0: I, honest to God, cannot thank you enough for coming on and doing this.
1: I uh, No, I am so thrilled to be doing this. Like, it's the exact reprieve that I need.
0: <laughs> I'm just cracking up because you do sound sick. And the last, like, three episodes that, or the three last three weeks that, like, you weren't on, I told them I was, like, Stu's sick because you were. You had COVID.
1: I literally had COVID and then I went on this trip with my brother and he had like literally bronchitis or something and I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten nothing other than his lost voice and like a little bit of like <laughs> mucus. I didn't get but all the Stu, other I shit. like
0: sold it to everybody. I was like, she's fine. I was like, don't worry creepers. She's gonna be fine. She's recovered well. She's stronger than ever and you you come back on the podcast like, you're like, hi, hi everybody. <laughs>
1: I literally sound like a frog creepers oh my god i'm sorry Ugh. you're gonna have to listen to this crackly ass voice to
0: so don't ever apologize they have been dying to hear from they have been waiting for like three weeks and i should actually jump into that just to say hi everybody so i don't forget early on welcome back to creep time the podcast with silas Deed and stew again oh my god
1: yay <laughs> oh my gosh i'm so happy thank you for being so patient with me my god this has been a hellish couple of weeks.
0: You were on vacation and you got sick. You had a lot going on. I feel for you, but we had um we had the lovely Jack Dylan who stepped in for one of those episodes, I think last week or the week before for we did the um Yeah. Disney Conspiracies. Dark Disney Urban Legends and Conspiracies.
1: Which was incredible.
0: Oh, you listened back to it?
1: <laughs> I listened I got through about half of it. I and I'm gonna go back and listen to the other half. I love, love, loved it because I find Disney so like fascinating especially like disney adults mm-hmm. and just uh, like all when you started getting into like how they pump the like scents into every like area of the I park know, and then i right? know you've you've mentioned in the past that like they've hidden like there's like a isn't there like a rule that like if somebody dies in the park they have to like get them out
0: oh, of yeah. the park. N- nobody, di- nobody dies. Nobody dies in Disney. They don't pronounce somebody dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody yeah. dies in Disney on paper. So I think it's something they they have like um, an on-site like ambulance team or like a medical team or something. So if there is an accident, the protocol is to treat them like in the ambulance or whatever while the ambulance is driving out of Disney. So that if they die in the parking lot, they are pronounced dead in the parking lot and not inside Disney oh my god we should take a trip I mean we'll we'll do another episode I think we'll do like a part two on dark Disney urban legends and conspiracies because I really wanted to get you in on that episode but I'm gonna do another episode with Jack soon and (laughs) we're covering the the Avril Lavigne conspiracy stop (laughs) yes
1: where she like fake died everybody thought she died
0: or did she? Maybe she Stop. did.
1: I know she just kissed Tyga.
0: I saw that. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that girl has not... Sh- she looks the exact same since she's all Like, since 17. She looks the exact same as she's always looked.
1: Exact same. It's crazy. I don't know.
0: Fishy. But with that, we're going to jump into this episode. We're going to get right into it. Before we do... I'm just going to say again because I'm feeling very sentimental today because I've missed you. How much I love you. Oh, Sue I just you had so a much. birthday. Oh, so I want to wish her a happy birthday belated on behalf of all of the creepers. We love you. We appreciate you and we're so excited and we hope your day was really special yesterday.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was super special. But the best gift truly truly is like getting it to come back and like record this. Oh. I've been <laughs> wanting to record with you so much and like it's just been such a like hectic couple of weeks. I was like, freaking miss the creepers. I miss Silas. So I'm so happy. The DMs I've be been recording. getting, they're
0: like, "Where's the episode? Where's Stu? What's the, like?" They thought something happened for a second. They were they were actually getting anxious. It's funny. You were like, "I don't want to make anybody anxious," and I'm like, "Baby, it's too late." <laughs> they're in my DMs and they're <laughs> like, "Where is she? <laughs> what went down?"
1: Honestly, we just create a whole. There's like a whole conspiracy about like where I go. that would be even
0: more fun to create the the missing person case of stew let's knock on some wood truly truly (laughs) but let's get into this episode i'm gonna say thank you again to the creepers for listening to creep time the podcast with us we enjoy having you every single week one more reminder if you could please rate the podcast on spotify or apple wherever you're listening that really does help us more than you actually know it's Huge for ranking the podcast and helping the podcast to grow very quickly. So, we really appreciate if you could just give us a rating. Um, make sure that you mention it to your friends and family or co workers, we've said in the past. Or if you could find Nancy Grace and get her to be a listener, because that's really what our end goal is. That's the end game.
1: Like, she could be our, like, just, uh, we need her to be our ambassador of this podcast, is really what we need.
0: Do you think she would like this podcast? I can't, I don't know if she would dig it.
1: I think if you all of a sudden, actually have a southern accent for real for real
0: yes <laughs> i just like every time i imagine her like saying something like commenting on something it's never positive so that's why i can't imagine her liking something it's always kind of it's like her like being vindictive so it's like her listening back she's like two yapping homosexuals Like
1: <laughs> i know i know i know oh my god you know what i meant to text you about what it was the alex murdaugh case and imagine oh my God what, how Nancy must have been reacting
0: oh that is that is surely a case that she is on top of like I have no doubt she's already done a full segment on that um I actually I have this weird thing where I don't follow a lot of cases I don't know if you're like this I don't follow a lot of cases as they're breaking solely because like yeah. details change so I've seen headlines of that but I didn't know the full story um but somebody gave me the lowdown on it and I was like whoa <laughs> what I don't. Something about familial killing it, is very disturbing to me.
1: So disturbing, especially like just in South Carolina, where it's just kind of like I, I don't know why. Maybe because I'm partial, because I'm Southern, but like I feel like family is like such a big thing. Yeah. And, like
0: no, that's what I. Yeah.
1: To to have like a patriarch of a, this like very classic Southern family kill his wife and his son is just like so
0: screwed. And the son had actually. A, like, accidentally killed somebody too, right? Before this all went yeah. down,
1: yeah. And then the most sickening part is the dad and like the, the defense tried to like use that as like a, a, oh, a possible Jesus defense Christ. as to why people were like after his son, even though he killed his freaking son. I hate, I crazy can't anyways. People. Jeez, I know.
0: Well, that's a case for another episode when we, we really like sink our teeth into that one. Um, oh, one more thing before I forget creepers. I'm going to be at Parapod Festival on April 1st. If you want to come meet me. <laughs> I've no, I've never done like um an in-person like meet and greet, but I'm going to be at Parapod Festival in Santa Clarita, California, Saturday, April 1st. I'm gonna be a panelist, so you can come do interviews with me. We can do a meet and greet. I think I'm gonna have merch there in a booth. It's gonna be so great. I'm so excited. Please get tickets. Let me get you the actual website so I don't I was misdirect say, this you. This
1: better not be an April Fool's joke.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like, when when I got booked for it, I was like, are they for real, or is are is somebody like f-ing with me? Hold on, parapet. Yeah, okay, I am so, you-
1: so excited. I wish I could be a fly on the wall. You're going to crush it.
0: I wish you could be there too. It's because Stu's in DC, but I mean, we will definitely do a panel together sometime this year. I am sure of that. If not, the entirety of Crime Cruise, which we're still lobbying to get us to be on. Stop. <laughs> the problem is, is that all of, like, their guest panelists and speakers on Crime Cruise are, like, seriously credentialed people in, like, <laughs> investigative journalism. They're, like, former FBI agent, like, <laughs> like, forensic, like, doctor, like, forensic scientist um, or analysis, and it's, like, podcast co-hosts.
1: <laughs> and then, like, our asses.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you can go to parapodfestival.com. You can get tickets. It's running through the 31st through April 1st. I will be there Saturday, April 1st. Creepers, I am dying to meet you. Please get your tickets now. And with that, let's get into Briceless Pisa. Are you ready?
1: I am so ready.
0: I'm very, very excited for this one. Um, This is a really, really freaky case. So much so that I when I was texting you this morning, I was almost about to pivot. And I didn't know what I was going to pivot to. Because you were having like such a day, I was like, maybe let's not do the priceless piece of case. But here we are, we're doing it.
1: I feel like I have to clarify for creepers, like they're probably like, what is so <laughs> urgent and so <laughs> catastrophic that Stu is like having a day every Friday? <laughs> I promise, I'm not. Today was an actual crisis, um, <laughs> national financial crisis, So that's the only reason why. But we won't get into that. That's so boring. and, But actually, sinister. There has been a lot of spirit today. I was
0: going to say, I was like, that can be a whole other episode. Conspiracies, financial debacles, things like that. And with that, pivoting back to Briceless Pisa. So now, where do we begin? This is the harrowing story and the mystery surrounding the disappearance of college student Bryceless Pisa. So I know we just came off of like the last episode we did together was the Brian Schaefer case. So it's like, oh, we're covering another story of a young male student who goes missing. But I wanted to chronicle this one because the timeline is super interesting because almost every bit of, like, what happened to him on his final day is through, like, witness testimony, like, people who saw him. And every single time I hear this story, I get chills. So I thought it would be really good to send your way (laughs) and throw you on your ass. Yes. Um, But I would also say, like, beyond his, um, the strange behavior of Bryce that led up to him disappearing – the aftermath of his disappearance and this story just continues to baffle people because there are parts of it that seem kind of impossible to explain. And that's all I want to say. I don't want to give you any more top line. I want to go right into the backstory of who Bryce was and what happened. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Yes. All right, baby. So let's first get into who Bryce was um, in his family and, and sort of like a bit of background on like – what his story was, where he came from. So Bryce was born on April 30th, 1994, and was raised as an only child to his two parents, Michael and Karen. Now, he grew up in a part of Illinois called, let me see, Naperville, which I think is either, it's a suburb either within or just outside of Chicago. But he spent his entire life there growing up, like he went to high school there. So by the time he graduates high school in 2012, his family decides to uproot and actually move all the way to California. So, they take him to Laguna Niguel, where Bryce is actually going to pick a school to go to in California. And the reason that his family moved and they decided to leave Chicago is that his parents were actually able to retire early. And this area, Laguna Niguel, is kind of considered like a somewhat of a retirement community. And his parents were younger than retirement age, but. I, I think they were able to retire early because they had worked in really great jobs for a very long time and they only had one kid. So mm-hmm. they didn't have a ton of expenses. Like, I think his dad was a, um, let's see, a controls engineer and his mother worked as a manager at BP. So this is their game plan. Pick up, go live in California. And surprisingly, I mean, since Bryce is going to be college age, he doesn't technically have to go with them, but he chooses to. He wants to leave Illinois and go to California for whatever reason. But what's odd is that he doesn't pick a school that's close to Laguna Niguel, where his parents are. He picks a community college that's like seven hours north. And nobody really knew why he did that. Yeah, a little strange. So that's not clear why he did that, because if you're going to pick a community college, you can pick someplace that's anywhere else would be convenient than seven hours north. So he gets admissions to Sierra College, which is in Rockland, California, um, which is located east of Sacramento. And I i think the seven hour trip down to Laguna Niguel would be comparable from like Sacramento down to Orange County, just to give you like a little bit of a visual, if you know California somewhat yeah. well, like how far South you would be going to, to go see his parents. Now also to note, this is a community college, so there are no dorms. So obviously he had to end up getting an apartment. So he gets an apartment with his friend, Sean, just outside of campus, he's still in Rockland. And in a bit of this research, I wanted to do a little bit of backstory about, like, who Bryce was, like, as a person, the people who knew him. Because I feel like that kind of paints, I don't know, I, I feel like every time I give a bit of, like, context to somebody and talk about, like, wit, like people who knew him and, like, friend statements, it gives you a fuller picture of the person, right?
1: Of course. Well, it helps you, like, figure out what helped inform their decision making.
0: That night yeah. of or day of. I, like, it's crazy, too. because as I was researching for this last night, all I could think about was Mara Murray throughout the entirety of like rehashing the story. It's so, oh I know, it's so eerily similar in such, so many strange ways, like the odd behavior, this like weird like backstory of familial pressure. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels here to this story. Um, but to get back into. It's weird. I've seen oh, that
1: man. pattern a lot. I've seen that pattern a lot with people that are in that kind of, like, collegiate age, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. kind of starting to fall into, like, mental health crises. I feel like we've covered a lot of cases like that. It's, like, a common theme.
0: Yeah, it's something about, like, I mean, like we said, losing the structure from high school, going into college, especially going into living on your own in an apartment, not even in a dorm, and having, like, that buffer period, and in a new state, probably an inciting incident, but I would imagine that would be difficult for somebody who maybe wasn't A very social person, which is not at all how Bryce is described, which is interesting. Okay. So according to his friends, let me pull up some of their statements. Bryce was described as a very outgoing, like, positive, friendly person, incredibly social, and very, very funny, is what a lot of his friends said. Like, he's always cracking jokes. Um, He grew up as a kid, you know, being an only child, but he always had friends and a good group of people around him. So even moving to a new school and a new state... He didn't technically have to do that. He opted to do that. And from everybody who knew him in his freshman year at the school, he was kind of thriving. Like, it hadn't really impacted his social life at all. And they also described him as a very talented artist, uh, which I didn't know. He would often draw quite a bit in his free time, so it was unsurprising when he did enroll in Sierra College that he went there to major in industrial and graphic design. So by all accounts, he's really happy in the new space He's happy in this field. He's working in something or studying in something that he's passionate about. And he's got a core group of friends. And he actually has a girlfriend at this time, too. So the girlfriend's name is Kim Sly, (laughs) which is an unfortunate (laughs) last name to have in a disappearance case.
1: (laughs) Well, both of these names are a little odd.
0: Briceless Pizza. Yeah.
1: I keep thinking you're saying, like, Briceless Pizza. Like, each time you say it and then Kim Sly, they sound like a...
0: It sounds like Bry- fiction. Well, it sounds fictional.
1: Yeah, it sounds fictional.
0: When I first told the story to my sister, she she could have sworn that I was saying Bryce Pizza. Bryce's Pizza?
1: <laughs> I keep thinking it too.
0: Or like I think at some point she was like I wasn't sure if it was Bryce's Pizza or like Bryce's pieces, like Reese's pieces, like <laughs> Bryce Las Pizza. I think is how it's pronounced. I'm not even sure what the what kind Bryce of last Las name Pisa. that is. Okay. He's um he's a redhead. So I when I was reading it, I was like Italian maybe, but he's not Who knows? Now, Kim Sly, the girlfriend, she has the unfortunate last name in the disappearance case. But also her testimony of Bryce, I think, is pretty helpful, too, just to further paint the picture. um, Because she would describe their relationship, specifically, in that freshman year as fantastic. Because that's that's useful, too. And that's the difference between this and Mara Murray. Mara Murray and her boyfriend in college did not have a good relationship. There's actually evidence to counter that. It sounds like from, I mean, at least Kim's testimony, she was like, we had a great relationship, and he treated me very well, and he, it, we just had a positive friendship above all. So everything seems fine. Like, this first year in school, he seems to be excelling, so the question is, when does all of this go wrong? So that's, yeah. that's, like, a pretty sound picture, would you say, of Bryce. Do you want to look up a picture of him, actually? Do you want to see what he looks like before we get into it?
1: I feel like I need to see what his name actually, phonetically, <laughs> like, how it's spelled. Bryce... Okay, how the heck do you spell his name? Because whatever I DoorDash.
0: it's with the S. It's all S's, no Z's. He's very distinct looking. He has bright, bright red hair.
1: Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. Oh, it's Bryce. Las Pizza.
0: Las Pizza, yeah.
1: Las Pizza. I thought you were saying Braceless Pizza.
0: No. <laughs> no, Bryce. Bryce Las so like, Pizza. I was like, who
1: names their kid Braceless? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. It's a
0: spinoff of Bracelet.
1: Okay, this is freaky. He looks like a cousin of mine a little bit.
0: Does he? I feel like it's odd to say, but I almost feel like somebody, everybody knows somebody who kind of looks like Bryce, which is strange yes. because he has a very yes. distinct look to him yeah yeah in the context i think it's helpful to like see what he looked like but in the context of how strange the story gets these pictures of him become even more i don't know after i hear like disappearance cases and i see photos of these people it just adds a different layer to it i can't really explain
1: yeah no totally
0: so when does all of this go wrong we're gonna chronicle what happened on august 28th 2013 so around this time, this is when Bryce's friends began to notice a bit of a shift in his personality and some behavior that seemed unusual. So timing wise, he would have already completed yeah, yeah yeah, he would have already completed his freshman year at this point. So he's just starting like the first semester of his sophomore year at school. Now, the behavior that they described was not in character for Bryce at all. He started to drink really, really heavily, Stu like seemingly out of nowhere and he was experimenting with prescription drugs. And when we talk about like drinking heavily, we're talking about like polishing off one to two bottles of hard liquor in oh a God. in a sitting, like a matter of days, if not a day. So the prescription medication that he started to play with was Vivance. Have you ever heard of Vivance?
1: How do I know it is that for seizures?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, at least, sp- oh no,
1: no, it's Adderall. It's like ADHD myths. Yeah, yeah, so.
0: it's yeah, it's basically yeah. like a dupe for Adderall. So for anybody who's not familiar with it, it's an alternative medication similar to Adderall, which is commonly prescribed for those with ADHD. But it's also not uncommon, I think, for college students to get their hands on stuff like this and start to abuse it if they're trying to stay awake or they're trying to cram. Like, did you? I don't know. Did you ever have like an Adderall problem in your college? Because we kind of did it.
1: I never did. But- but I, I know, um, oh, I thought you were asking me personally. I never did. Um, but I knew oh, that no, lots no.
0: of people that had. <laughs> I was like, Stu, have you ever struggled with addiction? Care to share with the creepers?
1: <laughs> and I'm like, let me just tell it to you straight. Um, I I did know somebody that had a Vivance addiction.
0: Really? It's very common. I, I knew a ton of people. I mean, yeah. it's unhealthy, the standards of, like, trying to stay up in college and, like, study for tests, cram for... There was one time in college, Stu, I because we had a separate library. There's like the campus library, and then there was like the drama music library, which nobody was ever in, yeah. but like you had full access to if you were like a drama music student. I once stayed in there till six in the morning writing a 15 page paper that was due the following yeah. day that I started that night.
1: <laughs> Off of a <an> natural.
0: No. <laughs> Off of sheer oh. will. <laughs> so i'm just saying like there's constant pressure in college to stay up for these ungodly hours to finish your assignments you wait i are like, off of you an i had a roll and i'm like no
1: <laughs> i love how i basically turned the tables on you know, I was like so did you have an addiction sounds like you had one
0: <laughs> no come like sophomore year in college we had like a weird stint where we were like we're preserving our instrument like we can't do anything Like we're showing up to parties with like tea in mugs hacks yeah it's bull- Yeah, yeah hacks absolute hacks but yeah i stepped in that library all that creepy ass library all night one time alone you want to talk about sinister
1: so sinister i i actually think the person and people that i knew that took finance did it so that they could stay up partying and also to um not gain weight in college
0: okay yeah that makes more sense the partying thing is really dark to like yeah take something dark. to sustain your well also I mean we should talk about the mixture of alcohol and something like Vyvanse because we're talking about an upper with a downer so you're already yes it's a recipe for disaster totally totally let this be a PSA to the creepers don't mess around don't mess don't, around y'all. baby oh my goodness you ever heard of a little chamomile or else tea? It still sound
1: like me. <laughs>
0: a cautionary tale on Creep Time podcast. You did come on and it was it was giving very much like those anti-smoking PSAs for a second.
1: You would think that I would have a little box right here that I'm like clicking to try to you like s- you know those like a uh, yeah. vocal box things. Yeah. You you sound you sounded real try. you
0: sounded real rough when you first came out. I was like, "Oh, oh well
1: it's just adding to the ambiance
0: it is it's, it's spooky so let's let's get back into like this adderall problem or the Vivance problem for bryce so bryce he's having these behavioral shifts and they seem to be getting worse like as like the day the early days turn to weeks at the beginning of the semester and he's exhibiting signs that he is extremely stressed and he might be going through manic episodes of depression now the behavior actually becomes so unusual That one of his college friends becomes so concerned that he sought out to call Karen, Bryce's mother, and told her he was worried about her son. And I, okay, listen, I want to talk about that. Do you know how strange someone's behavior has to be for, like, a college student to, like, call their friend's parent to say, like, listen, I'm worried about him? Especially, like, a male student. I just couldn't imagine it. I'm like, there had to be something very, very wrong. Right? Totally.
1: like. First of all, good on the fr- – like, most college guys are not going to, like – I mean, he, he was revoking his, like, bro card by doing that. And Well, yeah, because you're, that like, that kind of image, ratting so on your friend in a weird way. That. Yeah, yeah. But good on him, the friend, for doing that.
0: Well, I mean, he was very, like, honest with her. He calls Bryce's mother and he's, like – like, your son is having, like, very strange behavioral fits and he's, like, acting very weird And he tells her, he's like, I'm concerned because he's, like, severely abusing drugs and alcohol at school. Now, it's actually right around this time, I think it's actually the same day that this happens, Bryce breaks up with his girlfriend via text, and a whole argument ensues. And she's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? So in their arguing of, like, what do you mean we're breaking up? Bryce decides to go to her apartment, which is, like, 90 minutes away from school. He shows up there at Kim's apartment. Now... He's all the way out there. Let me see where her apartment was placed, actually. Oh, I think it's in Chico, California? Yeah, so he gets to Chico. Okay. He's at the apartment, and I guess they're just going to talk things through in person, like, why are we breaking up? Like, what are you doing? What's going on? She claimed that he was acting extremely strange, and he's getting, he's, like, fidgety, and he does not seem like the same person. So she gets so concerned. Mind you, this is the same day that Bryce's friend had already called Karen. She calls Karen herself, makes her own decision, and she's like, something is wrong with Bryce. Like... I'm scared. And she's actually so concerned that she steals Bryce's car keys because she's like, I don't think he's like well to drive. I don't want him on the road. So Karen's on the phone and she's like, put my son on the phone. I want to talk to him. So they start talking and she can't really tell, like Kim can't tell what the conversation is about. But Bryce's mom essentially gets back on the phone with Kim and she orders Kim. She's like, give my son his keys back. And then Bryce gets back on the phone with his mom and he goes, I have a lot I want to talk to you about we would never find out what it was that he wanted to talk to his mother about. We just know that that's something that was said and Kim heard it. So I will preface, I don't want to pass any judgment onto the parents here because obviously they experienced the unimaginable with their only child in this story. But I I don't know, maybe it was just their reaction of, of maybe like disbelief that like something could have been wrong with their son, but... And maybe they didn't have the full story, but they allowed him, she allowed him to, like, get his keys back and drive, was what happened. And Kim and he was, yeah,
1: was he at all under the influence, that they think?
0: So that's not what Kim, Kim didn't think he was under the influence, which is actually even stranger, because obviously it would be a no-brainer that everybody could agree on if he was drinking or if he was yeah, high, like, yeah. we can't let him drive. Kim just thinks that his personality shifts are so bizarre that, like, something's not right. She she feels something's not right. Yeah. And she's like, I, I don't think yeah. he, he should drive, and I think he should be, like, under surveillance. <laughs> like, somebody should be watching him. Yeah, yeah. But obviously that does not get conveyed to Bryce's mother. So Bryce gets the keys back, and he gets, I, well, they end up fighting more, Kim and Bryce, and eventually, I think, in that apartment, because Kim is, like, already at odds with the mother, Karen, Bryce and Kim officially do break up in that apartment, and... Bryce gets back in his car, and he leaves. Now, in that moment, we're still on the 28th. This is still the Wednesday. Bryce leaves her apartment in Chico, and he starts driving. Now, this is where the timeline starts to get really, really freaky. So we have phone records that show that on that night that Bryce was driving, actually around 1 a.m., Bryce would call his mother back. So this is, like, this fight, I think, happened, like, in the middle of the day or the evening, and then Bryce got his keys back and then just started driving because he never came back home to his apartment that night. He calls his mother at 1 a.m. Now, we, the data collected from cell towers on this is interesting because the assumption is that after that fight, Bryce would just drive back to his apartment. He did not. What it showed was that Bryce was much, much further from his phone when he called his mother at 1 a.m. So he'd already driven past Sierra College, drove past his apartment. He's headed south towards the mountains and nobody knows why. Now in my mind the 1 a.m. phone call would seem strange to me as a parent I'm not a parent but it would seem like a red flag and we don't fully know like what they were talking about but according to his mom he sounded fine and lucid and they're kind of just talking about the issues of the day and like what went on and like his grievances yeah and the call ends. So we don't know what Bryce did for the next 8 hours. After 1 a.m., but eventually by 8 a.m., we know that he ran out of gas of gas near a rest stop in Button Willow, which is right near Bakersfield, California. It's kind of like a rural part, like a like a rest stop. So he's out of gas there by 8 a.m. About three hours later, we have a witness testimony from a roadside assistant worker um, who came to deliver gas to Bryce, and this person's name was Christian. So Bryce had made a call himself, um, and I think he had purchased the gas on his credit card. And he made this call for like, "I need roadside assistance because," uh, which was connected to his insurance. He's like, "I I'm out of gas, and I need someone to come help me." So the three hours pass. Christian comes, gives him the gas, and Bryce pays for it on the credit card. Now, the insurance was connected, obviously, to Karen and Michael, his parents, because they owned the carbs and under their name. So they get an alert on their phone saying there has been roadside assistance that's requested for your car in Button Willow for your 2003 Toyota Highlander. Oh, before I jump into any other things, Stu, I was in my car last night doing research for this, and I got to the part about the Toyota yeah. Highlander. I looked to my right in the sp- I was in my car, and I looked to my right in the parking lot, a beige 2003 Toyota Highlander. And I, I like, Stop. I was in such disbelief, I actually pulled out to, like, get closer to it to confirm, and I was, like, shaking. <laughs> there's nobody in that car. I was so freaked out. So freaked Did out. you see,
1: like, a, red, a redhead, like, walking in the distance?
0: I would. There's something weird. I gotta say, like, researching this case, there's something weird about this whole story being, like, being in Southern California, because he technically does kind of disappear in this area. Like, well, in, like, SoCal yeah. that, like, it feels... I don't know. It just feels very – I felt, like, odd and, like, close to it in a way that I can't really explain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was – You it feel was, like you
1: could, like, solve it. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, I, I feel I, – yeah, I just feel close to it. I felt like I could see him at any moment in some odd way. So yeah. to get back into what happened, so with the 2003 Toyota Highlander, they get the alert from their insurance, like, oh, roadside assistance has been requested for you in Button Willow," And they're like, what? Because as far as they knew – After that call at 1 a.m., his mom thought he was, like, already back at his apartment in Rockland. She had no idea he was on the road. So they're trying to call him, like, Karen specifically, to figure out what's going on. She cannot get a hold of her son. Now, the logical assumption that his parents kind of come to is that Button Willow is so far south from Rockland that he's got to be on his way to, like, come visit them. They just had no idea that he was going to come make a trip out to Laguna Niguel because he didn't say anything. So she can't figure out what's going on. She ends up calling his roommate back in Rockland to see if he knows anything, Sean. So according to the roommate, Bryce never came home that night, like I said, and he woke up and he had no idea like where he was or like what he was planning to do or where he was planning to go. Now, his parents are able to get this track, his credit card purchases as well, because at the time, Bryce being a sophomore in college, he wasn't actually working. So his parents did allow him to have a monthly allowance which was under a credit card that they owned, right? So they can see those purchases pretty easily and that's going to help them to fig- like pinpoint like, okay, where was the last place that he like bought something? So his parents get desperate and they check through the credit card purchases and they find a transaction for that gas in button willow. Um, and they would end up contacting, let me get the name of what the shop was. Yes, so it's, christian who owns the shop which i think is called like tire and truck yeah caster tire and truck repair right so they call the shop and they're like listen our son just made a purchase for this like do you recognize him he looks like this so and so yada yada over the phone christian immediately remembers him and he he can tell the parents are concerned and they're kind of worried about their son so he's like just trying to be a nice guy and he's like okay he's like let me like call you back and like put the phone down I'm going to go check back in like the same spot to see if maybe he might still be in the area. So Christian actually hangs up the phone and then quickly goes out and then comes back in and calls Karen back. And he says that he's concerned because 30 minutes had passed since he helped Bryce out and got him the gas and he's still sitting there in the same spot. He hasn't left despite having enough gas to get in his car and like keep driving for wherever he was planning to go. He's just sitting there doing nothing. So Christian actually goes back up to him and he brought Bryce with him into the shop. And he's like, can you get on the phone with your mother and like talk to her? Because she's she's worried about you and nobody can reach you. So over the phone, and this is what continues to be confusing for me, is that Bryce seems to have these shifting moments between being almost, I don't know, in like a dissociative state and kind of manic, but then he's totally lucid. Like he seems very normal over the phone He's like talking to his mom and he's like, I'm fine. He's like, there's nothing wrong. Like, I'm just driving. So she's concerned, but she also just instructs him. She's like, hang up this phone. Please get back in that car and just finish out the drive and come to us. Like, clearly you were headed towards Laguna Niguel. So they hang up the phone and they sit there with this assumption, knowing that Button Willow is like three some odd hours away from them. So they're expecting at this point for him to like show up around maybe three o'clock, like 3.30 that day unsurprisingly, Bryce never shows. So naturally, his parents are starting to become concerned again and Karen, the mother, she like tries to call back on his cell phone and she's hit with the same problem from before. She cannot get a hold of her son. He's not picking up his phone. Now, they would attempt to make calls over a period of several hours trying to reach Bryce until 6pm rolls around and they finally like throw their hands up and they're like, we don't know what's going on. They go straight to the Orange County Sheriff's Department, County Police, (laughs) Where they file okay. a report for a missing person, priceless pizza. Now, it's funny because the last like three stories I did research on Stu all happened to involve county police like actually showing up and like doing something. So this is very different <laughs> for us.
1: This is county police redemption hour. <laughs>
0: like that, like I don't know what it was about these like. These California police, but, like, because, like, all the stories, actually, I researched, now that I'm thinking about it, they were police in California. They, like, really yeah. like sprung into action for some reason. So, basically, they filed a police report. Police immediately jump into action, and they tap a couple of their contacts to do an emergency ping of his cell phone through AT&T to track the phone. Shockingly, after all these hours, it shows Bryce is still in the same area. I'm going to paint, like, the con- further context for this. More than nine hours had passed since he was like first logged there and his car had been filled up with gas all day. Something is very, something's off. Like there's, there's no way that something's like not, something's not right. You know?
1: Wait, so his cell phone is still in his car at the tire place?
0: Yeah. His cell phone's still with him. I mean, he's still with the car. He's still there. He's just been sitting there. Just sitting there. For all these hours, just doing nothing. Not answering his phone. People are calling him, trying to contact him.
1: Approximately what time did Christian come to, like, fill up the tank? Like, wasn't it really late in the morning or, like, at night?
0: Let me think. So 8 a.m., we know Bryce is there 8 a.m. Bryce is in Button Willow. he makes the request for service three hours would pass so that rolls us around to when 11 12 like right around noon
1: okay gotcha yeah he
0: gets the car service 30 minutes after that I think it's around 12 30 when Christian like got the call from Karen and she's like have you seen my son he goes out and he's like yeah he's he's here <laughs> and then okay the mother's like come home and he's gonna be there by 3 p.m. never shows up three more hours pass Still, he's been there all day. All day with a full tank So of gas. we're in
1: daylight. We're in daylight.
0: Sun's going down at this point. It's like past six. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's past six. So like nightfall is coming. Now, you can imagine that this is shocking. Um, they're surprisingly pretty accurate, though, with this cell phone ping. Um, and they can track his car down pretty easily. It's just a few miles up the road from the rest stop in Button Willow, but still in the same area. So local police do track down the car, this Toyota. Where they find him just sitting in there doing nothing. What? It's, it's a freaky image, right? It's, it's like really unnerving. Now, naturally, those got... Co- oh, were you going to say something? Sorry.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's like he's trying to make a decision. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's like on the fence about something, but just kind of dissociating and just staring into the, the abyss. Right? Like all yeah. of these hours. That is a, such a long time. Just be sitting there in the middle of nowhere. But these um, these cops, they immediately suspect they're like, this kid is under the influence of something like they pull him out of the truck and they conduct a sobriety test, which according to them, and I think there's actually body cam footage of this. He passed with flying colors. Weird, like weird instances, again, of him being lucid, acting like there's nothing wrong, but they still have their suspicions. They're like, okay, well, there's got to be something that he took. So they actually search the car for paraphernalia, evidence of drugs or alcohol. There's nothing in there. And they're just kind of unnerved by this kid because by their description, he's not only very lucid, but he's acting very normal. Like, he seems really chipper, very positive. He's being talkative. He's being very polite. And he's even making jokes. So they can't really understand, like, what the hell he's been doing there all day and why he's, like, labeled as a missing person right now. So they inquire with him, and they're like, you know, is there a reason? Like, you haven't left this location for nine hours? You know, your family's very concerned about you. Now, his response to that was that he's just blowing off some steam. And the police didn't really flag that as unusual, because remember, he's like a 19-year-old kid. So they're kind of like, listen, um, like, we have to level with you. Like, your parents are concerned about you, so please, like, you have to call them right now. Because they have you out as a missing person. So, strangely... In this moment, they do get a bit of resistance from Bryce, where he actually he doesn't want to call his parents. He doesn't want to talk to them. But they become really insistent, so they actually dial for his mother themselves, and they physically put him on the phone with her. Like, hold the phone to his ear. Oh
1: my god! That is
0: County, like, doing the most for no reason. <laughs> no reason I at all. I was <laughs> going to say,
1: that is crazy to me that they have stuck around this long.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's odd too because isn't the rule of thumb usually like once you like you're 18, you can't even file a missing persons report like that without waiting 24 hours? Yeah. So it's strange to me like they were able to so quickly jump into action, but then they're like really following through. Like, no, we've got to like get you on the phone with your mom.
1: Well, it's California.
0: <laughs> it's California, I feel
1: Like California, like it's all reversed. So
0: <laughs> it is. It is a paradigm shift. It is very, very different out here for sure. Yeah. So, well, Karen does get on the phone with Bryce, which you can imagine, like, how relieved she is after all these hours. So she talks to him on the phone, and then she asks, you know, she, like, can you put the cops back on the phone so she can, like, talk to them? She gets back on the phone with the cops, and she's like, do you think he's okay? Like, do you think he's, like, okay to drive? And from everything they'd seen and, like, interacted with him, they spent, like, 20 minutes with the kid. He seemed very lucid, clearly wasn't intoxicated, maybe just seemed, like, upset, or, like, he was there to, like, blow off steam, So they think he's okay to drive and they just kind of wrap things up and they're like, all right, like clearly your mom was upset with you and like worried about you, but you got to get home. Whatever you're upset with, just deal with it once you get there and they leave him. So the cops eventually they leave. And again, everyone is assuming that Bryce, you know, is back on the road. He's going to finish out those final three hours, like he said, but then again, he never shows. Now, Hours after that call would pass, and still, no one has heard from Bryce. Karen has not heard from her son. She cannot get a hold of him. She is losing her mind, this woman. So she calls Christian back, the guy who worked at the tire shop, and she's like... Oh, my God. She's like, I I don't know what to do. And Christian's like, he's still not home? Because remember, like, he's, like, interacted with him a couple of times now, so... Yeah. I think Christian got a bad feeling in his gut, and he's like... Can I put you on hold or something? He's and he walks out of the tire repair shop and again goes to the same location where he had seen Bryce all those hours ago. Bryce is still there, sitting alone. What? He has he's just he just refuses to leave. So this is hours after the whole exchange with the cops at this point, and he's still just there doing nothing. So Christian just has this like haunting image of walking up on this kid who he's now seen there all day essentially just parked and sitting in his car, just staring into space. But he's kind of frustrated because he can sense the frustration from Karen. So he goes up to Bryce and he insists. He was like, you have got to leave here and you've got to get on the road. Yeah. Um, like, he's like, "Do you know how many times your mother has called me? She told me that the police were looking for you. So Christian gets in his car and he actually gets Bryce to start driving and follows him onto the freeway to like at least make sure that Bryce like gets onto the road Because, like, he's, like, if he's on the highway, like, he's just going to keep driving, you know, like, finish out the trip, I guess. So then Christian pulls off on an exit, and he goes back to his tire shop. And it's estimated all of this happened at around maybe 9 p.m. that night, which is a long workday for Christian. But I guess if if he was the owner of the shop, he was there late. Um, It's dark outside is the point of that. So at that point, Christian saw him get on the road. He's able to call Karen back, and he's like, look, he's on the road. I followed him onto the freeway. But Karen still wants to get a hold of Bryce herself, so she tries to call him. She's not able to get through. He will not pick up her calls until another hour, so 10 p.m. She finally gets him to pick up the phone, and she's shocked. She's like, oh my god, like, where are you? Like, what are you doing? What's what's going on? To which Bryce says, I'm just chilling. I'm going to go meet up with some friends later.
1: In Buttonwillow, or wherever we are?
0: Yeah, she's like... It's, like, completely confusing. It makes absolutely no sense. All of these hours that? Had, had elapsed. He's hours away from his school where all of his friends are. And she's like, I don't even think he has any friends, like, in Laguna Niguel because he never actually lived there with them. You know, that's like a retirement community. Yeah. So at this point, she's just completely exhausted because she's been, like, following this with him all day. And that call ends, but she still wants to keep tabs on him. Now that she thinks that he's, like, finally en route. So, again, she calls at, like, 11 p.m. She's like, okay, where are you now? To which Bryce says that he stopped to get a drink at a gas station and fill up his car with gas. Now, according to credit card statements, which were later assessed, he did stop to get a drink at 11 p.m. And he did fill up his car with exactly $39 in in gas in Buttonwillow. At the original he's still gas station, there. 14 Stop. hours Stop. Stop. has elapsed. So that means he, he got onto the highway with Christian driving behind him,
1: and got, got off,
0: off and went back to Button Willow, and has just been staying there with everyone thinking that he's back on the road. Karen still thinks he's on the road at this point. So now Karen is kind of like staying on and off the phone with Bryce sometime between like 11 to 1230. She's like calling, but then calls drop or like he hangs up. But she still thinks he's, like, in route. And she's asking him, she's like, I need you to tell me, like, what does your GPS say? Like, please describe the landmarks around you. Like, tell me what you're seeing. And he always has this rebuttal on the phone where he's like, it's too dark. I can't really see anything around me. But he says that the GPS says that he's going to arrive by 3 a.m., which did not make sense because that's a three-hour drive if she's calling it, like, 1230, right? And at this point he's he should already be there like he should already have arrived if he left when christian got onto the highway with him at like nine nine or ten so now we're right after 2 a.m so bryce would make a call to his mother he actually calls her this time and he claims he's like i'm gonna pull off the road like the side of the road um and i'm gonna stay in my car in like the suburban area for a little bit he's like i'm too tired to drive so i'm just gonna sleep for a little bit and then I'm going to get back on the road in a couple of hours and just like finish out the trip and from what he describes he would only be like 50 minutes away from the town at this point so it didn't it just still didn't make sense but obviously mm-hmm. she doesn't want him to like continue driving if he thinks he's going to fall asleep at the wheel and it kind of contradicted his earlier statements too where he's like yeah I'm supposed to arrive by three so he's just like yeah I'm off the five freeway I'm parked in this safe area don't worry about it I'll be back on the road in a few hours So this phone call would mark the last phone call of that night. And the hours would continue to pass with no one ever arriving at the home until 8 a.m. So that's when they finally get the knock at the door and they go to answer it. And they're like, okay, Bryce is finally here. You can imagine how harrowing that was for them to open the door and see police.
1: Stop. Stop. Oh, my God.
0: What are your thoughts on that so far? Because we're about to get into what happened after that final phone call.
1: Okay. 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 I... I've been racking my brain. Um,
0: (laughs) I threw a lot at you just now. Thank you for enduring that.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. A couple options. I feel like he was contemplating doing something to himself Mm -hmm. and was, like, just sitting there thinking, like, how am I going to do this? Or, like, maybe he thought, like, he had pre-planned this Button Willow place and was finally there and was just, like, stalling on what he was going to do. Or I was thinking, like, is he hiding from someone? Or is he, like, hiding a secret from his parents and he really wants to go home but, like, can't and feels like he can't? Um,
0: the secret thing is interesting that and you're then, talking about. Yeah. Because didn't yeah. he say to her on the phone, he was like, I have I have a lot I want to talk to you about. And we never find out what that is. Yeah. I do wonder yeah, what it was. like,
1: could that have been, like, a mental health thing? And, like, he's just feeling so out of it and lost that, like... He just doesn't even know how that's going to be accepted or like what that really would look like. And so he's just sitting there like not knowing whether to go left or right and is just starting to just unravel.
0: It just becomes real like if you have to face your parents with something, with whatever you're going to tell them. You know what I heard while researching this? The number one reason people disappear intentionally is not if they're necessarily like trying to like start a new life because they're like – oh my god I can't tell my family this or like I cheated on my wife or like anything of that nature it's usually because they're in danger like someone is pursuing them because they owe a debt or like they got mixed up with like a bad drug deal like something or they're like being abused like people disappear because of that oh my god there's such a good movie with Julia I think it's Julia Roberts I don't know if you've ever seen it where she's like she's a wife to this like wealthy man who's very abusive and she fakes her death it's such it's so vividly ingrained into my brain She like goes on a yacht with them in the middle of the night um, in a storm and she jumps off the yacht when no one's looking. So everybody thinks that she just drowned, but she planned the whole thing. She like knew there was like a buoy or something nearby that she could like cling to in the storm and like wait it out and then swim to shore. And she like starts a whole new life. But her, her tell or like what she did wrong was that she tried to flush her wedding ring before she did this and the wedding ring never flushed. So the the husband found it and he like goes after her. Stop. It's a really good movie. I gotta find the name of it. I have no idea what it's called.
1: It's like the OG Gone Girl.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I just remember it so well, but it is it's kinda like it just made me think about this in an interesting way. I was like, people really do run out if they feel like there's a threat to them. There's something following them. Well
1: that that was gonna be my third thing was like, I know that he has this thing with five ants, like that, like ever i feel like that's another trait or pattern that we come back to is like these college kids get involved in like drugs and alcohol and get involved with the bad crowd and like all of a sudden they're supposed to like go do something for this drug ring or like be involved in a transaction and like i didn't know if that that was kind of my third thought
0: <coughs> sorry i was about to choke. <laughs>
1: I've been about to choke this entire time, and I'm like, bitch, don't (laughs) cough.
0: No, so, like, when I'm going through, like, a long fit of talking, and sometimes I just get, like, something caught in my throat, I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) Because I can't, I I can't stop, I'm like, I can't lose the momentum.
1: (laughs) I know, I know, and I keep, like, wanting to cough, but I'm like, if I cough, he's going to think, like, something's wrong with me, and he's going to, he's going to be so sweet and be like, do you need to take a moment?
0: We should have a code word if we ever need to pause. We should say something like, it has to be a word that feels like, kind of in the vein of sinister. Like, we have to be like, mischief. And then everyone just, we we just need to take a break. Mischief.
1: Mischief. (laughs) And we'll be like, mischief managed
0: (laughs) Exactly. So, all right. We know what happened now. Like, the police are at the door, 8 a.m. That's got to be like, a parent's worst nightmare, just opening the door and seeing police. I can't. I can't deal with that, but that's what they—that's what happened.
1: Uh, yeah, you can, my, you can feel I, it. You my can see heart it. Hurt would just drop. Yeah.
0: So from that moment, the moment that they open the door at eight a.m. and they see the officers, they do get—they describe having a pit in their stomach. They know something is very wrong, and they also feel like Bryce never made it out of Button Willow, for whatever reason. Yeah. So the immediate inquiry from the officers at the door, they're asking, are you the owners of a 2003, like, beige Toyota Highlander? To which his parents are like, yes, yes, we are. Our son Bryce was driving it. The officer informed them that at around 5.30 a.m., the Highlander, or sorry, the highway patrol officer found the Highlander, which was crashed and abandoned off a service road in Castaic Lake, which is more than two and a half hours away from Laguna Niguel. And actually, it's more than an hour and a half away from Buttonwillow. Uh, and now to clarify, in Kaseya Lake is an area. It's not like the car is found in the lake. It's even it's yeah. somehow even worse than that. The car is found horrifically crashed and was actually flipped over on its side at the bottom of a 25-foot cliff drop-off.
1: Oh, my god!
0: So despite the vehicle like being found in such a bad state eerily, Bryce is not found with the car. So... Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is
1: giving me this is giving me a Julia Davis.
0: It's it's re- it's really something freaky. Um, it's it's miraculous that he was able to survive this because there is evidence he was, of course, inside the car at the time of impact. So the car, like I said, it went off this twenty-five foot ledge. Vehicle is in bad shape. Bryce is not found. Officers were able to tell that the back window of the car had been kicked out, like someone from the inside kicked it out. So clearly, he was in the car at the time of the crash. Inside the car, they were able to locate Bryce's phone and his laptop, which he left. His wallet and duffel bag were found outside of the car, also left. He took nothing with him. What? So they also found blood inside the car, which part part of it was located on the passenger seat headrest, and there was some blood in the back seat, but there was no evidence that he sustained any serious injuries in the crash, which was miraculous considering how far down of a drop that is. Now... An initial observation of the scene led them to believe that they they thought it might have been that what happened was Bryce was driving along this road. It's not clear if it was a road that was still headed towards Laguna Niguel, but for no known reason, he just completely drove off the road, like into like off road territory, like mountainy brush, and just started accelerating rapidly all the way up towards a cell tower. At some point while accelerating. Through that off-road, Bryce essentially launches his car, most likely intentionally, off the cliff ledge into the 25-foot drop, into this embankment, which police believed at the time was probably a suicide attempt, but that could have been—there's a few things that might contradict that. Now, part of their first inclination is that this might have been a suicide attempt, Um, so they go back to try to analyze Bryce's phone to see if there could have been something that would have suggested that in those 14-some-odd hours— That he spent in Buttonwillow. And they do find an outgoing message on his phone. It was a text to his roommate, Sean, which read the following. I love you, bro. Seriously, you are the best person I have ever met. You saved my soul. And in response to that text, his friend Sean Dixon replied with, this is his roommate. I love you too, man. You have an amazing life full of love and blessings. Don't waste that. You have too many people who love you, Bryce. Now, it's not necessarily clear if that message that Bryce sent could have been linked to, like, suicidal tendencies, I think it can be read like that very easily. But it also could have been, like, him experiencing, like, a bizarre sense of psychosis. Mostly from saying, like, you saved my soul. Sounds like he was just, I don't know, rattling off, like, a weird sentiment to Sean. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Or I was kind of thinking, like, could this roommate have kind of called him out on the drug and alcohol abuse and... There was like this false. Um, yeah,
0: well, he exposed him t- to his parents. Portrayal
1: of like, yeah, and there was this false portrayal of like, oh, I, I you know, you saved me. I've gotten over it now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be so much better now. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for calling my parents. Like, and then in actuality, he's like, I'm getting the hell out of here.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe like he, it's like a front. Like he's just covering, saying like. Like, everything's fine. Because at this point, he's basically just been lying to everybody around him this entire time. Yeah, yeah. I'm on my way home. Thank you so much for, like, what you did. Like, I feel like you saved me. But, like, really, Bryce is, like, getting out.
1: Well, he definitely is experiencing or, like, showing signs of um, the psychosis break, like you're saying. Because he's literally getting rid of, like, all the people close to him. Like, girlfriend, parents, roommate. And, like, kind of just lying to save face with all of those people it's funny isolate himself
0: it's funny you bring that up because i was actually just going to say the other piece of evidence to support that like he may have had suicidal tendencies not only is he like getting rid of people in his life he's getting rid of his stuff like in the Ah, coming like weeks today which is a telltale sign that someone's about to do something bad to themselves yeah um but in the coming weeks today is his friends kind of noticed and this played into like the odd behavior that he's like giving away some very sacred and, like, personal belongings to friends, like, high-value items. Um Just kind of, like, passing things away. Um Yeah. However, Bryce's parents were actually, when this theory gets pitched about the suicidal tendencies from the officers, they're very stern in their disagreement with this, that they did not believe Bryce was suicidal. Um And they justified that. They, well, they tried to justify, like, some of the abnormal drug and alcohol habits. They're like, possibly maybe he's just trying to experience college and he was overdoing it. I don't know if this is like I don't wanna make an argument against his parents because I think they might have been grief stricken and they just don't you don't wanna believe that your kid wants to harm themselves and maybe that was their gut reaction, but I think they've maintained to this day that they don't believe Bryce was out there to harm himself. I don't know.
1: Well I and I wanna say reiterate what you said at the beginning of the podcast that we don't want to, you know, pass judgment or anything, but the whole time you were talking about the timeline of him being gone, I was like, why haven't they gotten in the car yet?
0: Oh, that is the biggest, him? biggest critique of this case. People, I mean, yeah, we, we have handled like them with kid gloves thus far, I think, so far in telling the story. But everybody has critiqued these parents. They were like, sorry, after hour six of him like sitting there, maybe you'd get in a car and just like finish. You'd go to yeah. him for those final two hours and maybe you wouldn't want him on yeah. the road. I don't and know. That's,
1: and it's sort of coloring, like, could that have potentially been why he didn't go? Because he was, because to me, the type of parents, and whoops, I don't want to pass judgment, but to me. I'm like, girl, just parents, do it. Just like, rip a, them. <laughs> I know. The ty- I'll, I'll say that this was somebody else. I'll say that this was somebody else. And this is a voice changer later on. This actually isn't still. Um, <laughs> that, like, if, if those were my parents, I know that they would have gotten in the car pretty much immediately, and like to me, those are the types of parents that are showing that like even if they're you know gonna give rip your head off because you've been doing all this crap, like you know that you can go to them, they're gonna take care of you. Oh, they're gonna build you back up, and like the fact that he was just sitting there tells me that going home didn't feel safe.
0: Not at didn't all... feel like you're he was gonna get so support. dead on. Not at all. Yeah, I mean that's the whole reason because like. He just he is so avoidant of them too because it, clearly he was in communication with some of his friends. If he's texting Sean, he's clearly like fine to exchange words with like cops and Christian and like any of these people that he interacts yeah. with. He just will not pick up the phone for his parents, and I am pretty sure like the majority yeah. of those calls were just purely coming from Karen. I don't think Michael, his dad, was involved at all. Yeah, I was gonna say,
1: what happened to dad?
0: I just kind of like watching the whole thing happen it's it's, the relationship is really not clear I've seen a lot of things online and I will preface I do not know if this is true but there are people online I think people who knew Bryce that said he had a strained relationship with his parents there's a weird thing about being an only child sometimes where there is it's it's a very like top heavy pressure from your parents to like do the right thing or be the right kid for them yeah and it's hard to escape when you don't have a sibling that can like take some of the brunt of that. And I think that might have played into it. People also said his parents were very judgmental of him. I don't. Okay. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I think from everything I know, this kind of colors what what I'm imagining how of how this relationship went down. Totally. Yeah, but them not coming to pick him up, I think, is just one of the strangest, strangest parts to this. And I'm sure, I am sure, they live with that regret a yeah. lot. Now, believe it or not, Stu, this is going to get a lot stranger. So I have to, I have to, (laughs) I have to prep you. (laughs) I don't even know where my place is. Oh my God. So, well, his parents said they were pretty stirred that they do not believe he was out there to harm himself, right? So we just don't actually know what was going through his head. And truthfully, we never will. It's all speculation on our part. Now, the even stranger part of this story is that once that car went off the cliff, Bryce somehow is able to survive that. He kicks out the back window and just goes on foot somewhere, but we don't know where he went. Now, the unusual circumstances of his disappearance had prompted a very widespread search almost immediately in the Castaic Lake area, which would involve hundreds of deputies as well as volunteers. In addition to a search and rescue crew, there is a diving crew and cadaver dogs. Now, between all of these searches, they have aerial searches, they have specifically like a diving team that's there to search the lake. They felt that there might have been, like, officers and investigators felt there might have been a compelling case to suggest that Bryce tried to kill himself by going off the cliff, was unsuccessful, got on foot, and then drowned himself in the lake. They are completely unable to turn up any evidence of remains. And, of course, there were no witnesses in, like, the Santa Clarita Valley area who seemed to spot him around that time. His parents, again, they're, like, still pretty insistent that that's not possible So they actually funnel most of their resources and their time, kind of splitting the the way between, like, reaching out to the media and passing out flyers and just getting the word out about their son as much as they possibly can. So at this point, Bryce's face, the story does, like, get picked up, and it's kind of plastered all over California. And you've seen a picture of him. He has this, like, firecracker, bright red hair. He's very fair-skinned. He's about 5'11", 170 pounds. Like, he's a distinct-looking person that you could probably spot. Yeah, A shaved, like, head. So, when the public, like, eventually inquired about Bryce's mindset with his parents on the night that he disappeared, again, they doubled down on their stance and they insist there's, like, there's, there's no way we could have known. They're like, he sounded lucid on the phone, he just sounded like him nor- his normal self. Like, there was nothing that really troubled them at the idea of him driving back. But what really bothered them was the idea of him surviving the crash, because this didn't seem it didn't seem logical to think that he would just get out and not take his belongings with him and then would set out on foot somewhere because he was not an outdoorsy person. Uh, He did not like being in rural places, especially after dark. Like, that was very strange to him. And he was not Mm -hmm. the type of person who would ever, like, catch a ride, like, hitchhike and catch a ride. So they're just trying to make sense. They're like, he goes off an embankment, ends up in, like, the pitch black on this off-road section, just kicks out his car window, and then just takes off without his phone doesn't make sense doesn't make any sense
1: how could they what what, i i'd be curious to know like what would the parents have thought he was doing driving off of a cliff if it wasn't a suicide attempt like it just seems so clear yeah
0: well there's a lot of questions about like if bryce was experiencing if he was in a psychosis if he was experiencing like hallucinations and maybe he wasn't even Ah, aware that he was like Flying off like all the way off the road, and it was dark yeah. because he's not driving anywhere with like street lights, he's just like flooring it basically through like the brush of a mountain. So it's very yeah. possible he could have just flown off that ledge and had no idea he was about to just like go into an embankment, you know? Yeah, now I know.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm only laughing because do you know how hard it is for me to not reference? Our video we created... I thought about that
0: all the time while I was researching this. I was like... Stop. (laughs) I can't say that, but we... I'm
1: so bad for bringing that up. We'll cut it. We'll cut those.
0: I'm not going to, unfortunately. (laughs) But But I will get us back on track. (laughs) Let's see. Um, So... You can imagine, like, how high-profile of a case this was in California at the time. So everybody is on high alert, and only about five days into the search efforts for Bryce, 911 gets a call from a jogger, and this jogger reports an emergency of a brush fire that he just witnessed. So police arrive. This is three miles away from where Bryce disappeared. They find a burning body on the side of the road. (gasps) Now, because of the haunting nature, right, of, like, how Bryce had vanished, um... Police had this strange feeling that that body was Bryce's and they were convinced of this until initial forensic testing would disprove that and show that it's it's actually a man from LA who was the victim of a homicide and then left on the side of the road and it just happened to be about three miles from where Bryce Less Pisa went missing.
1: Oh my God.
0: When I heard that, I was like, there's no way. I was like, that's gotta be him. It has to be. That's like out of a horror movie. Yeah. That case is a, com- that's a completely different horror show that we can like tackle on another, another episode that Burning Body found near Castaic Lake. Now, whatever the case was, they still kept pressure on this case, the media, because they had a bit of like this false optimism with this find where they were like, oh, it's it's horrific, but we found him. So they're like, we have to turn over even more of these stones here. And they go back and they're able to uncover this remarkable surveillance footage from a cell phone tower. Which shows Bryce's car that night, flooring it through the off-road. It's caught on camera, Stu. Now, this footage was possibly caught minutes before he went off that cliff into the embankment. But after reviewing the footage, they actually noticed something that's even stranger than you could have imagined. The surveillance footage at the top of that cell tower would show Bryce's car driving not once, but twice through the same path at a high speed. Past that cell tower, two two hours apart. So, the first timestamp—this is gonna freak you out. The first timestamp on that camera—they captured his license plate at exactly two fifteen a.m. That was approximately six minutes after he had just hung up the phone with his mother, telling her he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna pull off in this suburban area so I can sleep sleep for a couple of hours," and she's like, stop, "Okay," stop, and then oh get back God. on the road. She's like, "And you're gonna drive to us?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I'm gonna be home. I'll be home like after I." take a few hours to rest, hangs up the phone, almost immediately goes off the road and starts flooring it, flooring it up this hill. And then 2.15, the car is captured, flying past the security camera. So the sequence of events here is bizarre. But then after he passed that security camera, nobody knows what happened in those next two hours. Is he just like roaming? Through these, through the brush and through the hills, because then he comes back to the camera, takes the same path at four twenty in the morning, and the car is never seen again. So it's assumed that after the car is spotted at around four twenty, just seconds after that, he floored it directly off the embankment or directly off the cliff. Oh my god! Haunting, chilling. No,
1: don't don't you think that he was like mapping something out almost?
0: Well, that's what people were saying. They were like, maybe he was up there for those two hours because he was trying to like figure out like a good place to launch his car off a cliff. Yeah, like, he was driving yeah. around to see like where are the ledges up here. I can't imagine that would take. Well, maybe you find it and then like you sit there and contemplate for two hours about what you're gonna do.
1: Yeah, I think that's what I that's what I was thinking.
0: It's very very sinister, but. The, this footage actually breeds a little bit of new life into the search team and into the case. So by day nine of the search, they bring in bloodhounds. So they attempt to recreate the foot traffic. They're like, if he survived the crash, these dogs are going to be able to pick up the scent and figure out like where he went after that. So they do pick up the scent immediately at the crash site. They follow it all the way to a dam near the lake. And then it's traced to the other side of the lake and it keeps moving south on foot. Eventually, those bloodhounds get all the way. They track the foot traffic to a truck rest stop, which is right off of Castaic Road. And it's at this location that they lose his scent. So police believed now in their investigation that it was sure proof that Bryce obviously survived the crash and was moving on foot, got his way over to the truck stop and possibly got into somebody's truck or car and then left the the, the location with an unknown person. That is crazy to me. That's insane.
1: Insane. Insane to... Because I feel like... If, okay, like, I feel like if I were attempting suicide and I did it by driving off the side of the road and I crash and I survive it, I'm going to be so, like, shook to my core that it didn't work that I don't think that I would be moving around. Like, I think I would just be like, okay, I give up like I'm gonna call my parents I'm gonna like whatever you're like this is just mm-hmm. so crazy like how am I alive right now well I don't think I would be moving on foot and then getting to another rest stop and getting in someone's car I guess unless I was that desperate to like go off the escape. grid
0: yeah I'm mean something's not right like something was not right within the entirety yeah. of this case but what's really crazy about you bringing that up is that if you remember by the time the highway patrol spotted his crashed car it was 530 and we think that that car had crashed at 430 If he had just stayed with that car within less than an hour, police would have found him right then and there. So within just that single hour of him crashing the car, kicking out the window, and then walking on foot, he seemed to catch a ride and disappear. Like, the timing of that is just, like, so bizarrely coincidental and convenient. Crazy. So according to police, they publicly stated after, like, this evidence came up and they had no additional evidence to suggest that Bryce had succeeded in his attempt to take his life, uh, or that he was met with foul play in this case, they kind of shift gears and they're like, you know, it's kind of shaping up that he probably wanted to disappear. Now, Bryce's friend Sean would also come forward, uh, despite those eerie texts that kind of suggested maybe thoughts of suicide or self-harm. Sean actually believes that Bryce didn't have intentions to take his life, but that he did want to disappear. Because he had kind of loosely been talking about, like, really wanting to find himself. And, you know, they they had had text exchanges that kind of suggested that Bryce was thinking about that. But what also was was odd about that was that they had texts that showed that Bryce was saying, I think that night he was like, I'm going to be back on Monday. He's like, I'm just going to be gone for a few days, but I'll be back on Monday, which was Labor Day and would have been three days after this. So with all of this information after the third week of search efforts... And some of this suggestive evidence from Sean. Police start to believe that Bryce wanted to disappear on his own. And if that's the case, they don't want to continue funneling resources into a search effort for somebody who doesn't want to be found. But his parents completely contest this. They're like, there's no way this was his intention. Like, that's not Bryce. So frustrated and desperate, they would end up hiring a private investigator named Stu. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Sorry.
1: I... I almost fell out of my chair.
0: You could have been on it. No, what was her name? Her name was Denise Savastano, and she was some. She Stop. was yeah. like
1: <laughs> the names in this case are too much for me. It's, oh my it's, god! It's a
0: book that I wrote. Actually, could you imagine this if I just, you I just pivoted this and I was like, and that was all original fiction? <laughs> would you not like I was say, block if you me? You said
1: to me this was a creepy pasta. I would literally break my laptop over my knee. <laughs>
0: I would never, I would never do that to you, ever. Oh my, I would never do you that to You better do that to me. <laughs> well, okay, so this woman, Denise Savastano, she was an experienced private eye who specialized in missing person cases. Now, despite their willingness to hire this woman, Denise, she actually found the case so bizarre herself and just so mysterious that she offers her services pro bono. because She's like, I want to get in on this and I want to find out what happened to Bryce that night. Now, according to Denise, one of the first things that she did in this, like to try to trace Bryce, was going back to the GPS that was still in the car. And what's interesting is she retraced the coordinates that were typed in. And what she found was that he had typed in Laguna Niguel. So it seemed like he was planning to get there that night. Yeah. Which was odd. So to explain his disappearance following the crash, she actually figured that he might have suffered a really bad head injury. During the impact, which could have impaired his cognition. And maybe he wasn't thinking logically or didn't really know where he was or who he was following the accident. And he just started moving on foot. As for the erratic behavior before um, any of this went down, she's like, I think what tipped him over the edge into psychosis was the drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And and I read that and I was like... (laughs) Oh, do you like I think I could have figured yeah. that out from a hundred miles away yeah, <laughs> appreciate the insight Denise, but um <laughs> so now, the case with denise um it rolls around to like two years later. It's like twenty fifteen, and I think at this point, since there there were no credible like witness sightings of anyone seeing Bryce. The family is starting to roll around to like the very the very harrowing thought that it's possible he may have lost his life that night, whether he intended to or not, and maybe he's still in that lake because the body was never located. But for context, the deepest parts of the Castaic Lake are about three hundred feet deep, so it's not exactly possible for a diving team to scope every single part. Yeah. So what they're able to do, and this is incredible that this technology exists, they're able to hire a team that specializes in like, full bodies of water sonar technology. So they can Mm -hmm. essentially scan the lake for anything that would be flagged as a body. So they spend two 12-hour days, but they are unsuccessful to detect any evidence of remains or the presence of a body in that lake. They're at the end of their rope. Like, this is all these parents feel like they could have done at this point, so they become even more desperate, and they actually end up submitting all of his personal information, um... I think into into a public archive so that anybody, anybody has access to try to like learn about Bryce and find Bryce. So I think they like pass over his like his driver's license that was left. They give like it was either his social security card or maybe just his social security number. I don't know why that would have been relevant. Um they give, let's see what else they give. Dental records are now made public. Uh they take fingerprints from the vehicle that was recovered and those are submitted into the national database for missing persons and those who would be incarcerated. So in theory, if he like ever got arrested and then like booked, they would be able to tell like, oh, this is priceless pizza. He's never, yeah. he's never been found. To this day, all these years later, I think the case is 2013. Is that eight years? Something like that? Seven, eight years maybe? Yeah. There has never once been someone who has accurately spotted Bryce Pisa after that night. Which seems almost impossible if we have no other evidence that he died somewhere in that area. We just don't know where he went and how he did it. That is the entirety of the case. who he went with. Well, that's a whole other... Well, maybe this is a good jumping off point because there are some theories on this, but I just didn't want to go through, like, theory one, theory two. I thought we could just have a conversation about, like, yeah. What Like, what we think might have happened. Because there's really only two scenarios here. Either Bryce was somehow successful eventually in taking his life, or he disappeared on his own, like, willingly. Like, that was the plan all along. Or met with foul play. Those are the only avenues I can imagine.
1: It's funny because I feel like we've talked now so many times about, like, people wanting to disappear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wonder, like, for me, I can't fathom that you do that successfully
0: they always seem to not be successful (laughs) like they're they hit a lot of bumps in the road and then seem to pull it off at the end somehow because we never find them
1: yeah so i'm always like how i i would love to know the statistics but i guess there are none to pull from of like how successful are people at doing that like it just seems so crazy that somebody could just a, a kid that's in college with a family they could just go off the grid, and we'd never know. Well, the, who they, the who age they are of that now. is
0: also odd too, and I guess this was strange for Mara Murray because nineteen is not an age. I think this is like statistically backed up. It's not a common age where people dip out of society, like where they just pull out from everything yeah. in their life and like start anew. That that like happens like later on in people's lives when they get desperate or they get into trouble or like financial trouble that they just like because they have they know more about how the world works, you know. So they can kind of plot how to do something like that. Bryce didn't didn't even have a job. Like he was living off an allowance.
1: And he had messages about, you know, wanting to come back on Monday or coming back on Monday. A girlfriend. Like too many, I guess for me it's always hard to fathom that that is what happened because I'm just like... There's so many variables against you to pull that off, especially as a young person, Mm -hmm. to pull that off successfully. What did he go do? Get a job somewhere and start a life? Like, pay for rent? Like, how do you financially take care of yourself?
0: Well, I think actually, Denise actually, Denise Savastano, she brought up a good theory (laughs) and point that she's like, he could have very well disappeared. She's like, but I don't think he did so knowingly. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? So she thinks the head injury, which she was getting at, she's like, I think he might have had full on amnesia like he did not know who he was or what was going on so he just started walking ended up at a truck stop and then found i don't know like a roadie or like a trucker who was like you need to get somewhere and he was he probably didn't even know he was in california if that was true so her theory is that he had amnesia still does not know who he is like never had a recovery from that and then once he got to a different location he just lived among a homeless population and was just surviving on the streets. And, like, his hair grew out, the beard grew out. Like, he just started to look different and very weathered. Like, he was no longer, like, a kid in college. And nobody recognized him wherever he went. And he's still out there somewhere just not knowing who he is.
1: Now, that's a screenplay.
0: It's a a harrowing and sad screenplay.
1: (laughs) That is, that is a, that would be, like, but to me, like, that is so, if that is actually what happened... I can see how it makes sense, but I am just so in disbelief. Wouldn't somebody, I mean, somebody
0: would have had to have recognized him. I know people. Especially when
1: you're that young.
0: You're that young, but also the, like, the vibrant red hair. And this is such a well-known case. Somebody would have found the kid. Somebody would have found him.
1: Totally. And if they had a good heart, they'd be like, you're a little young to, like, have amnesia and not know who you are
0: you know what i mean like if he's even telling them that maybe i mean i don't even know what what yeah. she was really getting at she was like pitching it as like an amnesia story but then she was like maybe he had like like brain trauma from the accident and like it's more than just him not remembering maybe like his speech was impaired and like he's just not like a he's not really a, like a functioning person so nobody can get any information out of him i don't know
1: what what do you think Do which one do you side with
0: I mean, that one makes a lot of sense to me, although I do take a big issue with the idea that he that no one's ever spotted him. I just think he's too recognizable yeah. for that. I do think it's interesting because people bring up, I mean, people have said, like, oh, it's a far-fetched theory to think, like, homicide or foul play is involved here. But I'm like, I don't know, because it's pretty coincidental that just three miles from where he disappeared, a burning body is found left on the side of the road I in know, this area. I
1: know homicide yeah so
0: clearly there, there are some people in this area who are doing some, some shady shit at the odd hours of the night so I don't think it's crazy to think that while he's walking through like I don't know the rural parts of this like embankment he shows up or finds something he's not supposed to and then he gets met with something foul I could see a scenario like that it's interesting too because I do think it's there was somebody else involved because he got to a truck stop and then what happens after that clearly somebody picked him up Somebody grabbed him.
1: And I think that's also a thing we've noticed or a pattern we've noticed now is like just, I don't know what what you'd call it, I guess, cosmically. It's like once somebody kind of starts this path of like the demise, Mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden all this stuff follows suit that kind of just catastrophizes it. Like it just gets worse and worse and worse. Like I don't, and it just sucks. But I feel like that really does happen. We've seen that pattern where it's like, it's super late at night you're already doing something you you shouldn't be doing and then it's just the opportunity for things to go wrong just like increases so I I totally could see that happening
0: I know I thought a lot about Kim and the chain of events that that whole exchange started with her giving back the keys under Kim's or sorry not Kim under Karen's order like give my son back his keys it's crazy to think that and I don't I'm not putting the blame on Kim in any way shape or form i do not believe she's at fault of anything i think that was karen but if she had not given him those keys if he had not gotten back his keys this whole story could have unfolded very differently
1: totally totally but and like what a testament to like the intuition of the friends to like know that something was
0: yeah it's it's i mean seriously if, if you're noticing something is off with the people that you love and you care about i think you owe it to them to at least inquire and try to help but it seemed like they were doing that but they were constantly met with this resistance from the parents that were in some kind of denial like didn't want to believe that he was experiencing that or didn't have all the information but i don't know it seemed like sean was pretty explicit like he's acting off and he's abusing drugs and alcohol and kim says the same thing i would probably go check on my kid
1: (laughs) totally and like just from the beginning of this whole case all signs kind of point to that he Wanted to get away from them. He went to a school super far. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to Mm -hmm. talk to them. Like it just something. There's more to that than I think we know.
0: Before I wrap us up, what do you think it was that he was withholding from his mom that he said, we have a lot to talk about? Because some people have theorized that he was either going to drop out of school. He was gay. Or he wanted to break away from them completely. Like he'd no longer, he wanted to yeah. leave his parents. And those seem like low level things to like do something as insane as what happened here in this story, but possibly not. If, if those are the only people in your family, you're an only child. That, yeah, that is a, a really that child. is a very, very big deal to seek their approval. And if you know that they're not going to give it to you for whatever is happening in your life and you're struggling with something it, that could weigh on you and, and in a way that impacts your mental health. I for sure believe that. Absolutely believe that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also interesting, that phrasing. It wasn't like, can we talk about stuff? I'm going through something. It was like kind of um, combative almost. Like we have a lot to talk about. And it seems like that to me uh, colors maybe how their relationship was together. That It's kind of like a... a, a
0: like locking horns kind of, yeah. Front.
1: Yeah, locking horns kind of thing. And so it's, I it feel like his the latency of him getting home to have that discussion was him contemplating, like, do I really want to go through with this? Is this worth it to me to, mm. like, share this? Do they really care about me is kind of what I am thinking. Um,
0: I agree. I agree totally. I think the eerie part about that is that we truly will never know what was going on inside his head, yeah. how much of him was there, and how much of him was in, like, his own delusion. He could have very well had delusions about, like, perceiving how his parents would react to something, even if it was minimal. And that spiraled into all of these events. Yeah. It is a strange story, but this is this is another one. If we could send some energy to it, I would love to see... I know. Some kind of an update on it, because that would... Take, I would have to go on a vacation after that because that would take me out.
1: <laughs> Baby, the energy is already weird today. So I'm going to say, let's just send it.
0: Let's send it.
1: Let's just send, let's it. send it. Let's send it. <laughs> Can I just tell you? Yeah. To, to totally sidebar us, but to highlight the weird energy, somebody crashed their car into my hometown airport this morning. Like, that's how weird the energy is. What?
0: Today. Oh my just God. Just drove there.
1: Into the airport for no goddamn reason. <laughs> oh, God.
0: So if that can
1: happen, I I fully believe that you can turn your head today and see Bryce sitting in that Toyota. Oh,
0: under. once I heard that the lady at the Dunes was identified, that's when I knew I was like, anything truly is possible. Anything tr- is possible, in, in the world yeah. of true crime and unsolved, anything is possible. But anything, maybe. Stu, I love you for jumping on to do this case. Thank you so much to the oh, Creepers for so listening. Much. This was such Uh. a long awaited case I can't wait until we can do another one but until next time we're just gonna say goodbye and we will see you later creepers bye bye